Welcome to the Straw Hat Social Club, a One Piece recap show. I'm Todd, the One Piece expert, which is a made-up title. It just means I've read the manga, and I'm joined by someone who is completely new to One Piece, the lovely and talented Becca. I, it's, I don't think even to this episode, I still have no <laughs> idea what to say at that point. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I will one of these days be able to say that without reading it off a of page. Um, <laughs> but today... You can join us as we wrap up the East Blue Saga and chronicle what it's like for two antisocial introverted people to make a podcast for the first time. Um, I guess my idea here is since we have finished the East Blue Saga, this is definitely like a big milestone. Uh, maybe we can just take a step back for a minute. Talk about in general. I got some stuff planned uh, to keep it fun and... I think the first half we're going to do that, just give kind of overall thoughts and recap, like in bigger picture, you know, we've already been through each arc in like very minute detail. Um, so this will be a lot lighter. But then I think for the second half, for anyone who cares, mm -hmm. we're going to kind of pull back the curtain and talk about what it's been like making the podcast. Because to me, that's part of this whole thing, you know, because like we said, we're both people who are probably on the spectrum, very antisocial. It's a, a weird thing for us to be making a podcast, so we could talk about that a little bit. I don't know, how are you doing? I'm really good. <laughs> yeah. We had like the best breakfast this morning. Yep, hit up uh, <laughs> maple donuts, even though we could only eat like half a donut after that sandwich, um, but it was nice. Yeah. Unfortunately, no Krispy Kremes around here, but no. I think we'll survive. So I thought, kicking this off, I could give you a little test since oh God. You, <laughs> since you are the one who is new to One Piece. Oh my God. Um, I just thought it'd be fun to kind of give you some basic trivia. I just found something online. It's very simple. Okay. It doesn't matter. But since you are like the one that's new <laughs> to all this, I think it'd be fun to see like if you could get these questions right. Yeah, I but, don't I mean, think that's going to happen, <laughs> but we'll see. It'd <laughs> be a fun way to check back. At the end of every saga, you know? I mean, they're easy. Like, listen to this. This is question one. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, sure. <laughs> Number one. I think there's 15 questions, by the way. <laughs> um, Monkey D. Luffy ate which devil fruit? The gum gum fruit? The chop chop fruit? The slip slip fruit? Or the plume plume fruit? He ate the gum gum fruit. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're a fucking I took, expert. <laughs> I, I got distracted because I started thinking of those other two fruits that I hadn't heard of. And I'm like, oh, well, you, I want to know what they are. Well, you actually have heard of all I these. I have? Yes. Oh. Chop Chop is buggy. I know Chop Chop. Slip Slip is Elvita. Oh, I thought it was Smooth Smooth. Listen, oh, okay. there are so many different translations, you know. And Plume Plume is Smoker. Oh, yeah. okay. Question two. Okay. Who is the man who inspired Luffy to become a pirate? <laughs> Portgaz D. Ace, Red-Haired Shanks, Goldie Roger, or Edward Newgate Whitebeard? Shanks. <laughs> All right. So Red-Haired Shanks. Who is the first pirate crew that Luffy encounters? The Alveda pirate crew, the Buggy pirate crew, the Black Cat pirate crew, or the Red-Haired pirate crew? Well, technically it's Red-Haired, but he... Yeah. Saw Alvida? I don't know, I know where to start there. Listen, I didn't write the questions. <laughs> we'll find out. Okay. So I'll put red-haired. Next, we got some Zoro questions. All 
How many swords does Zora <laughs> use to fight? Six, one, two, or three? It's three. <laughs> All right. Who did Zoro make a promise to when he was younger? Tashigi, Kawina, Alvida, or himself? Wait, that last one mm. threw me off. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Cause... You want to hear him again? Well, I know it's either Kawina or himself, but mm. I don't know. I, f- I want to say it's to himself. Okay. <laughs> We'll see. That's that's a shitty question. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed kind of simple to me. Really? Next. <sighs> Who did Zoro fight during the buggy arc? Kabaji, Moji, Richie, or Buggy? Wait, now hold on. <laughs> what, what are these questions? Because this is... Buggy arc? Oh, wait. Who was it? Can you say it again? Who did Zoro fight during the buggy arc? Kabaji, Moji, Richie, or Buggy? Buggy? Okay. I don't... Don't say that like that. (laughs) Nami questions. Okay. Which pirate crew did Nami work under since she was a child? The buggy pirate crew, the black cat pirates, the Arlong pirate crew, or the straw hat pirates? Uh, Arlong? (laughs) All right. I will say I read that in like the initial draft, she was a part of the Buggy Pirates, oh. and that was when they met her. Oh, okay. I think she also had like a mech arm or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> like pretty cool little early design. <laughs> Anyways, next question: When did Nami first meet and talk to Luffy in the ship that got attacked by Alvita in Alvita's pirate ship? When the giant bird dropped Luffy in Orange Town, or in the restaurant at Shell Town where Morgan is? Ooh. I don't know. Do you want to hear the selections again? Yeah, yeah. In the ship that got attacked by Alvita, this is when Nami first meet and talks to Luffy. Okay. In the ship that got attacked by Alvita, in Alvita's pirate ship, when the giant bird dropped Luffy in Orange Town, or in the restaurant in Shelltown where Morgan is. What is the one that's on Alvita's <laughs> ship? What? Well, there's the ship that got attacked by Alvita and Alvita's pirate ship. That feels like a trick question. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I don't know. Which one do you think it is? Uh, I just, I'm going to say the ship that attacked Alvita. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Next question. Why does Nami love oranges? Because her adoptive mother, Belmare, owned an orange farm? Because she just loves oranges? Her favorite color is orange? Or she loves tangerines, not oranges? (laughs) She loves tangerines. (laughs) Trick question. Good job. (laughs) Now we got Usopp questions. Who are the three members of the Usopp pirate crew? Pickle, tomato, and onion. Carrot, onion, and salt. Onion, pepper, and carrot. Or avocado, broccoli, and pepper. My ADHD cannot <laughs> handle what you just said. Do you want to read them? Yes. It's probably easier for this. Onion, pepper, and carrot. Onion, pepper, and carrot. Okay. I don't know. Now I feel so thrown off. I, I can't figure it out. It's not that serious. It's okay. <laughs> Next. Why is Usopp always lying about pirates coming to the village? 
because he hates his village and likes to annoy them. Because when the villagers chase him, it's a good workout. Because when his mom was sick, he used to lie that it was his dad returning. Or because he read The Boy Who Cried Wolf and was inspired to become just like him. Can I see it? Yes. I feel like it's because when his mom was sick. When his mom was sick, he used to lie that it was his dad returning. Okay. Who was the first fish man Usopp fought and defeated? Chu, Hachan, Karubi, or Momu? <laughs> See, this is funny to me because since I'm the one that like writes the notes and everything, I'm forced to learn every little detail and you're kind of just along for the ride. Guess you thought you could just sit back okay. and relax the whole time, huh? Oh, God. I'm going to say Karubi. Okay. Sanji questions. Now, you got to get these. Come on. <laughs> what was the name of the floating restaurant Sanji worked in? The floating restaurant, the Barati, <laughs> Zeph's floating restaurant, or Red Legs? <laughs> <laughs> Red Legs. That's mm. Barati. Barati. How many more are there? Two more. Okay. Which man from which pirate crew did Sanji feed when he came hungry to the floating restaurant? Don Krieg from Krieg's Pirate Crew, Pearl from the Don Krieg's Pirates, Jin from Don Krieg's Pirate Armada, or Jin from the Krieg's Crew? I see this. Yes. I don't even know. I mean, isn't that the same thing? I don't even know which one would be the one. It's Jin, but I don't know which one. Which one do you think it is? I guess the Don Krieg. I guess Jin. Hold on. Jin from Don Krieg's Pirate Armada? I don't okay. know. I don't know the official name. You don't think it's called the Krieg's Crew? No, I don't. <laughs> Last question. Which was the first lady Sanji hurt during the East Blue Saga? Alvida, Nami, Tashigi, or he didn't? Sanji never hurt any women. All right. <laughs> See what you got. You got 73%. Good job. Yeah, that's about <laughs> how I did in school. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tests freak me out. I don't like tests. <laughs> does it let me... You can't see which ones? Uh, doesn't let me see. That's stupid. You probably know which ones I got wrong. Yeah, I don't remember. You got 73% right, which is a very weird, <laughs> arbitrary number. And I, I was 73. Okay. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> listen, that's how I did in school. Yeah, so. it also did not give me the correct answers. I think next time we do this, I'm gonna have to prepare a little better. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you did pretty good. I think there were a few you definitely got wrong. I remember you said Karubi is who. I was thinking Usopp Chu, fought. but I it was, was okay. You're well, right. see, I was thinking Chu the whole time, and I'm like, that's probably not right. So I just picked a different yes. one. Listen, for someone who is brand new to the series, has just seen the anime, I think you did pretty good. I think most <laughs> okay. people do not have as much brain rot as me, so you wouldn't know all the little answers, but did a great job. So now that we have determined your basic knowledge level after a arbitrary quiz that I think somebody on the internet just made up. <laughs> I guess we're ready to get into the East Blue recap. Um, I think what I was thinking for this, we can just generally go through each arc, just give some general thoughts. And what I'd like to do is introduce the 
the major characters that were introduced in every arc, and we're going to decide on who was like the big standout character from each arc. So we could separately do like which of the straw hats is like the big standout and which of the like side characters. And when we get to the end, we can kind of rank the major characters, like the best from each arc and see who is our favorite from the East Blue Saga. And we can also figure out which of the straw hats had like the biggest impact on this saga. I think that's something that'll be fun in the long run once we have more of these sagas under our belt. But we can kick it off with Romance Dawn, first arc in the series. Uh, this is also the name of the, uh, what do you want to call it? Like the prototype of One Piece. Remember, it was called Romance Dawn. The pilot? Sort of. I mean, no, because it wasn't like uh. released officially as One Piece. But Romance Dawn is where we're introduced to Luffy and Zoro. Nami also like briefly pops up in this one. I think honestly that was another question you got wrong because yeah you I said, just couldn't it's it's figure fine. it out. But she the first time that, that Luffy and Nami really talk is Orange Town. Like what remember answer was that it was it was in there the bird yeah yes I didn't think that they talked <laughs> yes. I, that's I, the first time they meet because remember the bird drops Luffy in the Orange Town see these questions they were <laughs> worded like a government exam for getting your driver's license I know listen. <laughs> It's not that serious. It's okay, <laughs> but um, but yeah. In this in this arc, we like I said, that's we saw Luffy, Nami, and Zoro. The major characters from this arc were Alvida, Kobe, little pink hair boy, Helmeppo, and Captain Morgan. So this is the arc. Starts out on Alvida's ship. We get introduced to Luffy. Luffy uh, kicks the shit out of Alvida. Then he heads over to the island with uh, Captain Morgan's Navy base. Remember, Zoro is like held captive there. So Luffy frees Zoro, and together they take down Captain Morgan, who's like this corrupt, evil Navy captain. And everyone's happy, including the Navy, <laughs> that they <laughs> took him out. And along the way, we got Kobe, who was Alvita's cabin boy, who was like taken against his will. But he's inspired by Luffy to pursue his dream, so he joins the Navy. And Helmeppo is Captain Morgan's son, a little goofball with the weird bangs. I don't know how you describe his haircut. It's like a, is it like a bowl cut? Almost? I think it's like a bowl cut, but it's kind of long in the back. Yeah, I don't know I don't what that's know. called. I don't remember. <laughs> but he's like the spoiled little brat who, after Captain Morgan is arrested and taken away, he winds up... Uh, kind of side by side with Kobe working in the Navy. So maybe we'll see like a turnaround for his character. Yeah, so this was your first introduction to the series, obviously. It's the first arc. What were you thinking during this this part of the story? I mean, really, Todd really wants to watch this. So I'm yeah. going <laughs> to sit here and watch and see what this is. <laughs> yeah, I remember even me uh, coming from the manga, watching this for the first time. It definitely feels like... It is a very specific era of anime. You know, it has a certain look to it. We talked about how, like, it feels very warm. It's, like, feels very different from what we see now where everything is, like, digital and clean and everything. Yeah. And I think for me it was, like, kind of jarring 
you know, and I think we talked about this before that I felt like, oh man, I can't wait till we get caught up and get to like the more modern animation. Mm -hmm. But the more time I've spent with this, the more I really like the older stuff. Like there, there just is a vibe to it, you know, yeah. it feels very comfy. Yeah, I think we both were hit with a lot of nostalgia just yeah. starting it. I mean, we're both old as fuck, me especially. <laughs> so it definitely does like call back to an era from when we were younger, you know? Yeah. But yeah, things, they kick off kind of slow. We're still feeling out the world, the characters, the vibe. We're getting introduced to all these characters with weird designs like Kobe with the pink hair, Helmeppo with the bowl cut. Even like Captain Morgan, remember he has that like handle coming out of his elbow mm -hmm. and his axe hand. A lot of weird stuff. I mean, what were you thinking about like the character designs and everything? Well, I think I've stated a lot that I really love the character designs. I think some of them are weird. Yeah. But and it's not that means that they're bad. They're just weird. Yeah, they're very silly, but it's yeah. definitely it's it's a, a certain style that does kind of set One Piece apart. Because I think, listen. <clears throat> I might get heat for saying this because uh -oh. I am an, an anime fan. I'm kind of a fallen anime fan because I, I stopped watching anime for a long time for a lot of reasons. I do feel like there's a lot of anime out there that just doesn't feel very distinctive, you know, like, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of anime that just has this very similar style where a lot of characters can look the same. And for me, when I look at like pictures of, of anime characters that I'm not familiar with, it's like they all look the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. there, there is a very specific style that, that tends to happen. But I feel One Piece, one of the things that sets it apart is that the characters do feel super distinct. Well, yeah, I mean, they're like humans, like how humans are so distinct and different. And I think yeah, it's interesting to see different styles of character design be approached for different types of personalities in your characters well, instead they, of one wash yeah. of, a of a style. Well, they tend to be like very cartoonish and kind of silly. Like it feels like it's not like, like, I guess it's one of the great things about One Piece is that there's so much heart to the story and there is so much going on. And like the further we get in the series and we start digging into the political themes and the social themes and all that stuff like there's a lot going on in one piece but it's able to do that while also feeling like kind of silly kind of laid back you know it, it just it tackles all these different themes and it captures like a lot of different tones because it can be very silly it can also be very emotional mm -hmm. uh that, that's definitely one of the best things about it is it can go from being like very childish, very goofy to being very serious and really making you angry, making you upset. We both shed plenty of tears. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's another One Piece stable. But yeah, so I, I can remember for me, Romance Dawn feeling like I, it took me a little time to get used to the tone because it is kind of silly. And, and like what we were saying with the character designs, there's there's stuff that I'm a fan of now that I still, especially reading manga where you're not getting the benefit of like the color and everything. There are characters and series that I love that I have trouble like telling apart <laughs> because they just look so similar. But One Piece has such a distinct style to the character design that 
I really appreciate and I really give Oda a lot of credit for constantly being able to come up with these new distinct characters that uh, you can just very easily tell one from the other. But back on track, this is kind of where the Straw Hats really get formed because we saw that early on it was just Luffy floating around by himself, not really doing anything. And somehow he gets Zoro to join him, even though Zoro very quickly is like, wait, hold on. Like when you realize it's like this tiny little boat and it's just Luffy, you you see that uh, maybe he he didn't really understand what he was getting into. <laughs> but I give him a lot of credit because he seems to be so fiercely loyal to Luffy, like from the very beginning. Um, you could tell there's like there's a very real connection there. But yeah, the first real battle against Captain Morgan, if you can call it that, because it's not much of a fight. And I don't know. Or did you have any other general thoughts about Romance Dawn? Um, I think that it's a really good way of introducing this whole story where, I mean, didn't he literally float up in a barrel? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just there's so many like tiny things that like, I think really going back and watching it again, which I, I know nobody really has the time to watch this whole series and then watch it again, really. Yeah. But picking up on like little things that progress, like the size of his ship, so from a barrel to a little ship to a bigger ship and things oh, like yeah. that is really cool to see. So, yeah. yeah and also like the scale of the uh antagonists and everything mm -hmm. and it is interesting that this kind of sets up the navy as being the bad guys but um, most of the conflict is between pirates in this series you know but yeah so like i said we were introduced to luffy and zoro we had like a tiny little nami intro so i guess we can count her out because i wanted to ask who do you think had the biggest impact from the straw hats luffy or zoro in this arc i think honestly zoro yeah, he had me. a really cool yeah. intro. Yeah. I think I'd agree with that. Pretty powerful way to introduce him to the series. Yeah, I mean, he's like being basically crucified <laughs> yeah. when you meet him, which is kind of strange. <laughs> so I'll agree with you on that one. I mean, obviously, Luffy is the main character, and he's very yeah. silly and goofy. But Zoro, just you really get this air of like, I don't know, air of like power from him oh, when yeah. he's first introduced in it. I don't know. I find it very interesting. I mean, as soon as he gets those three swords, he just takes down everybody, <laughs> like, instantly. And, I mean, Luffy has plenty more time to shine throughout the series, so. Yeah. But then when we get to the other major characters, we got Alvita, Kobe, Helmeppo, and Captain Morgan. Who do you think stood out the most of those characters? I know who I'd pick. Wait. I want to know who you'd pick. I'm back on my ADHD again. They yeah. all blurred together for me when you said them. What right was it? <laughs> I wanna, I wanna say it's like in between like Alvita and Kobe. Yeah. For me, probably if I had to choose, probably Alvita. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. I would have said Kobe, but we can say Alvita. This is a very <laughs> minor. Say, you say Kobe. Listen, is that your? <laughs> what do you think? I mean, Alvita, like, she's very briefly featured in this. Yeah, but I think because it was, like, the first kind of... Bad guy. Battle, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I could see that. But Kobe, the mo the moments with Kobe is really cool, though, too. Because I, mm. I, I... You know what? I have to say Kobe because only on the fact that I can tell there's going to be some sort of progression with this character, but I don't know what. And I'm excited to see it. 
So yeah. I think on that alone, yeah, okay, Kobe. Look, didn't mean to nudge you there, but <laughs> come on. Our pink-haired no, little man, yeah. we got to give him credit. No, here. you're right, yeah. Okay. So why don't we go from that right into Orangetown. Uh, as a reminder, Orangetown was being attacked by Buggy and his, his circus-themed pirate crew. They attacked the town. Um, all the residents were, like, in hiding when Luffy gets dropped there by, like, a giant bird. He was trying <laughs> to eat. Um, mm-hmm. But this is when we get properly introduced to Nami because she is trying to steal from any pirates that she comes across. That's kind of all we know about her character at this point. And she forms this, like, unlikely alliance with Luffy and Zoro to take down Buggy and his crew. So it turns into... Uh, Zoro getting his first real like sword fight against Kabaji, um, and then Luffy fights against Buggy, which isn't isn't like a big threat. It's more like a silly kind of fight, but it is like the first other Devil Fruit user because Buggy's able to split himself into pieces with mm-hmm. the Chop Chop Fruit, and uh, they defeat all them. They save the villagers, and then of course we have to point out. Our little Chow Chow, the little dog yeah, with the so human cute. voice, who uh, plays a big role in this story too. Yeah, it's a, it's also like a first glimpse at like how Luffy is kind of able to to befriend like everyone that he comes across because even this little dog who like <laughs> bites him in the face the first time they see each other, they somehow form a connection and Chow Chow like helps them when they escape. Mm-hmm. So we don't get any new Straw Hats. I mean, technically Nami because yeah, we mentioned. In the manga, Nami was, wasn't introduced until this arc, but in the anime, they kind of insert her into Romance Dawn. So we could say Nami's really introduced in Orangetown. But we also get introduced to Buggy. We get Moji, the lion tamer, and his lion Richie. We get Kabaji, who's like a acrobat, who also is a swordsman. We get, of course, Chow Chow. We get Mayor Boodle. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, and we also get introduced to Shanks for the first time because this is when we get the flashback. We also learn that Buggy and Shanks had like history together. Mm-hmm. So I mean, overall, like, do you have any general thoughts about Orange Town? I mean, Orange Town was a fun one to watch. Um, I have to say, probably I don't know where we're going with this, but I have to say, like. Shanks is probably the most standout thing to me yeah. here, even though it's not really related to Orange Town. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, they. I feel like every arc has like some kind of flashback. Yeah. It's almost like a trope here. Yeah. That we get some little flashback stuff, and that tends to be some of the most interesting stuff. Oh, definitely. I feel like, but yeah, Orange Town to me, I think this is when we're still kind of getting our bearings in the series and. Uh, Buggy is like a really fun character, fun mm-hmm. villain, because he initially comes off as being like very threatening, but he winds up being like kind of silly. Yeah. You know? And he was friends with Shanks, too. So Yeah. Yeah, there's a very interesting history there. Yeah. Is that in that arc? Yeah, that's yeah. when they have the flashback stuff. But this is also, I guess it's important because this is when. Nami, who makes it clear that she hates pirates and we don't really know why yet, she still starts noticing something about Luffy and Zoro and their relationship and how, like, maybe maybe they're a little different. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not, like, the normal 
uh, evil pirates that she's used to dealing with. So I saw that was pretty cool. But yeah, we're still kind of getting our bearings at this point, I guess. Um, So it's still kind of fun, kind of lighthearted, still figuring stuff out. Um, I don't know, did you have any, like, final thoughts you had on this arc? No, not really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's still it's still kind of slow at this point. Yeah. Um, but who would you say then of the Straw Hats uh, had like the biggest impact on this arc? Of the Straw Hats? Yeah. So so far, Luffy, Nami, and Zoro. I feel like Luffy here because we really get to see him go up against Buggy. Maybe. Yeah. 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 It's his first fight against the Devil Fruit user. Yeah. Um, but as far as the major characters, again, we got Buggy. We got Moji and Richie, Kabaji, Chow Chow, <laughs> Mayor Boodle, and Shanks. Like, which character do you think stood out the most? Well, I mean, obviously Shanks. <laughs> yeah, like, it feels like it's it kind feels, of cheating. I was going to say, like, it's really not fair because, Yeah. I mean, obviously Shanks. But if Shanks yeah. wasn't in there, I'd probably say Chow Chow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I would say too. But we'll go with Shanks. It's yeah. a, it is his real first like yeah. introduction, and you can't not choose Shanks. Yeah. Everybody loves Shanks. You got Syrup Village, where we're introduced to Usopp. As a reminder, I think they go here just for like supplies and get wrapped up in this whole thing. With uh, we have Kaya, who is like a sick girl living in a mansion. Um, being attended by Clahador, her butler. We learn that Usopp has, like, a friendship where he tells her all these, like, tall tales outside her window since she's sick and can't really leave and uh, winds up being, like, this very heartwarming thing. Is this something you wanted to say? <laughs> no, I, I got sidetracked. This is my ADHD. Sure. I just realized that Hassan named his dog Kaya. Is it because um, of One Piece? I wouldn't be surprised. Does that make Come him Clahador? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Could be. That, that's, we can cut that. I'm just... <laughs> that's on yeah. my mind right now. Yeah, I had a big brain moment just now. <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, and Usopp, he has his own little pirate crew here. We see that his father was Yasop, who uh, is a part of Shank's pirate crew, uh, who left when Usopp was very young. Usopp seems to, like, idolize him and secretly, well, maybe not secretly, but he really wants to be a pirate like his father. Yeah, I don't think that's a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, But he has his own little pirate crew. What's it? uh, Pepper, Onion, and Carrot. Carrot. Yeah, who all have, like, hats that look like the vegetables. Another, like, great Oda character yeah. design. But we find out that this whole time, Clahador the butler is actually Kuro of a Thousand Plans, this pirate leading the Black Cat Pirates who orchestrated this whole plan to take Kaya's wealth and escape the pirate life so that he's not, like, chased by the Navy all the time. Which, in retrospect, now that we know, like, Luffy has a bounty on his head and is going to be pursued by people we can see how luffy thinks that's like fun and exciting is like ready for the adventure but someone like kuro he just wants to be left alone he, he's like fuck all that so they they orchestrate a whole plan with his i guess right hand man Django, mm-hmm. uh michael jackson yeah. you know <laughs> the hypnotist yeah uh but they orchestrate a whole plan to try and attack the village get Kaya to leave her wealth to Kuro so he can live in peace. 
and the straw hats wind up smack in the middle of it. And this is when we really see how it seems like even though they are pirates and they are kind of doing everything for themselves, like in pursuit of their own goals, when they're introduced to situations like this where people are being like oppressed and mistreated, it's like they they can't not intervene. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a big part of their characters. And I think they do a great job of making them seem like they are not these totally selfless people. Like to them, like Luffy challenges Kuro because he is in direct opposition of what Luffy considers a pirate to be, you know, because Kuro doesn't care about his crew at all. He only cares about himself. He's willing to give up his name and his title and everything just so he can have an easier life. And all of that, like Luffy is so disgusted by it (laughs) and just thinks that he he winds up thinking Kuro is like so far beneath him. Um, because of all that, which just enrages Kuro, who is like very full of himself. But we get that idea that they get into these conflicts for their own personal reasons, but they ultimately wind up helping tons of people along the way. And I think that's a very important part of One Piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And it goes into the complex morality that is happening underneath the surface in this like very silly, mostly like lighthearted series. So, I mean, did, was there anything that, like, really stood out to you in Sierra Village? I think I would say the, really, the relationship between Usopp and Kaya. I think I really, oh, yeah. I really enjoyed that. I thought what Usopp did to, like, entertain her and befriend her is really sweet. And I just really love their, like, relationship. Yeah, it's fun that he's portrayed as being this liar. You know, his whole thing in this arc is he runs through the village shouting that, like, pirates are coming. (laughs) And everyone just gets pissed off and annoyed because he (laughs) does it, like, every day. But the way that he takes that character trait with Kaya and, like, is telling her, like, all these big lies and stories. (laughs) But she just loves it and it lets her, like, mentally leave this place that she's, like, basically stuck in. Yeah, It shows, like, the other side of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Sierra Village was like our lowest ranked in yeah. all this, which we'll revisit at the end. But yeah, it, it feels like it kind of slows things down. Um, the environment's kind of more bland, mm-hmm. but there still is a lot that happens here that is fun yeah. and really interesting. So like I said, we're introduced to Usopp. So we got four straw hats now. Who do you think made the biggest impact in this arc? I mean, I want to say Luffy again, because Luffy had these like really powerful attacks. And I also, but not only that, he also just had really funny moments too. Like when um, that part of the ship fell on him. Yeah. yeah. And the way that he would get uh, hypnotized like instantly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just shows the kind of brain he's got going. Yeah. I agree though, because I think this is also... When we first start to get an idea of Luffy's own morals and like what he believes being a pirate is like because it's in such direct opposition to Kuro, Mm -hmm. that stuff, especially watching it now after reading it, it really stood out to me. Um, And it stood out to Nami, too, because we get more moments of Nami straight up telling Luffy, like, you realize most pirates aren't like you. Most <laughs> most pirates are like Kuro. Mm-hmm. And Luffy, it just does not phase him at all. He just doesn't understand that. Well, I mean, that's what he was inspired by, was being a good person and yeah. hanging out with your crew. I mean, he was inspired by Shanks exactly. and Gold Roger, you know. Yeah. 
but the major characters we get here, we got Kuro, of course, uh, with Django, the Meowban brothers, of course. Uh, we get introduced to Yasop. We got Pepper, Carrot, and Onion. We got Kaya, and we got Mary, who is her, like, uh, what is he? Because Cloudor is like the butler. Is he just another I think butler? He's just like a caretaker? I don't know. Something like that, yeah. yeah. He's also the namesake for their ship, which yeah. we should mention. This is when they get the Merry Go, yeah. which because uh, Merry kind of has like this goat look to him. You it's weird, what? like his even, hair and everything. I didn't Did you not put, put that, that together? No, not at all. But that makes a lot of sense now. But that's why the it, it is kind of weird that Merry, this butler, has a ship that's like named after him and has like the masthead that looks like a goat and everything like him. Yeah. I'm sure there's like some better explanation for that that just went over my head, but he winds up being this like bit character who's actually super important to this oh, really? series. Well, just from based on that. Well, you yeah. Know? So, I mean, out of those characters, who do you think really stood out this arc? I, I probably have to say Kaya for me. I really yeah. like Kaya, and I, I think it, it lends to Usopp's character a lot because you see, you've seen a lot of these characters have counterparts in their flashbacks or their background story that seem to be very important to them and yeah. i feel like kaya is very important to usap oh for sure so yeah she's a great character and she also seems like very selfless because she's willing yeah. to give up her life and her fortune and everything to protect the village and everybody in it so let's move on to arati mm -hmm. where we get introduced to our main man sanji i think it's worth pointing out again that our first time actually through the series, because this is like our second time going through the early episodes. I remember you were not feeling Sanji <laughs> yes. at first because every single time that he simps out for like any female character, you were just like, oh, really? Like what? Yeah, <laughs> What's going it's just on? like exhausting. It's very over the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's only because, you know, like I'm not going to get into women's rights right now, but it's <laughs> yeah. just like. Man, can you notice anything else about these women besides how they look? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think it, it is funny, like, because you get a lot of moments where you see there is a lot more going on oh, with Sanji. Yeah. I, I realize that now, but I think first impressions, it's like, oh, oh my yeah. God, get over it. <laughs> it's hard not to focus on that because it is, like, so over the top. <laughs> but I think as you start to learn more about his character and what's going on with him... The parts where he simps out just become like more funny and well, predictable, yeah. you know. Well, I think <clears throat> what makes it, I don't know, different is like he like worships the ground they walk on yeah. and like makes sure they're fed and like makes sure that they have everything they need. Like he's not just like, oh, you're beautiful. It's like, oh, you're beautiful, and I will attend yeah. to every need you have. It is funny to point out because I feel like you know he has some like pervy kind of moments, mm -hmm. but it's never like super gross yeah. or over the top it is like you said more that like i mean we keep calling him a simp he, he does <laughs> I mean, like yeah. simp out and just wants to like do whatever he can for the ladies yeah. in his life so there's yeah there's a lot more going on there but just to recap very quickly the barati is a floating restaurant we've said it's like this Miyazaki style like mm -hmm. giant fish boat mm -hmm. they had there because of course luffy prioritizes getting a cook for their crew. And uh, so we're introduced to Sanji, who's working under Redfoot Zeph, who is the head chef at this restaurant. 
Uh, they're all like kind of tough as nails. Like, so I think it, they're established as like some of them are ex-pirates, like some of the people working there. Mm-hmm. And it's seen as like you kind of have to be if you're going to be working in a restaurant in the middle of the ocean because you're yeah. going to run into pirates. Yeah, and then you're just a target. Yeah. And sure enough, they get targeted by the Krieg pirates who had just left the Grand Line. So this is our big intro to the Grand Line and like how dangerous it is because that's being set up as like their big goal at this point. But the Krieg pirates are like half dead after the Grand Line come there to get food, which instantly revitalizes all of them. (laughs) And they turn on them and try to take over the Barati. Mm. So the crew of the Barati and the Straw Hats have to kind of step up to fight them off. Um, We also get a great flashback. This is the first like big, awesome flashback of the series that shows Zeph and Sanji's relationship, how Zeph rescued him and they were stranded on this island when Sanji was very young. And even though Zeph is like, at the time he was known as Redfoot Zeph, this pirate cook who had this like uh, fighting style with his feet, was like very brutal. But he is like very selfless and like winds up giving all of his food to Sanji because he recognizes Sanji and him share the same dream of the all blue, you know, the ocean that combines fish from the north blue, west blue, east blue, and south blue. So it's like a cook's dream. And everyone kind of makes fun of Sanji for having this dream. They think it's just a, you know, a folktale or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Zeph, you see like the the big respected chefs probably, it becomes almost like a religion. You know, it's like some weird, a mythical thing that they all like dream of and aspire yeah. toward. So they connect over that. What, um, do you have any like overall thoughts here about Barati? Uh, I do, but we haven't gotten to the part that I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Mihawk. Let's talk about Mihawk. This is so cool. Yeah, we're also introduced. We find out later Mihawk is one of the seven warlords of the sea, which are very powerful pirates that are kind of um, recognized officially by the government. Are you okay? You're like really I know. Gassy. I think it's from What's like the coffee and all that stuff. Do you need more water? I'm okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to cut it out, but I'm like burping constantly. Um <laughs> But I'm worried about you. I know. What are we talking about, Jesus? The, <laughs> so the well, the seven warlords of the sea are kind of recognized and able to kind of do their own thing. And in return, their role is to kind of call the upcoming pirates to keep them from running out of control. It's like this very corrupt system where these pirates are able. And I think of the ones we've met so far, Mihawk seems like the most neutral. But in general, they tend to kind of wreak havoc and they're overlooked by the government because they serve a purpose to also go after like the up and coming pirates to Mm -hmm. keep them in check and everything, Um, which we'll get into a lot more later because that's (laughs) getting into the politics of One Piece. But yeah, what did you what did you want to say about Mihawk and Zoro? Well, I think it's really cool that this character is introduced just because he represents like this sort of nuance to the whole situation they're in where somebody very powerful coming up to and that's why i feel like zoro really challenges him first yeah and zoro just he he has so much respect as a swordsman and i feel like mihawk sees that and i've talked about it before and i think i just really like that like there was no like brutal intentions in this fight 
Yeah. It was more a test of swordsmanship, which I find super interesting. And Mihawk mm-hmm. just looks so cool. Yeah, very cool design. <laughs> yeah, like even his ship is cool. I know. But we, yeah, that's interesting to point out that I think when he first fights with Zoro, he's using like this tiny dagger and it feels like, yeah, he doesn't take him seriously. Mm-hmm. He's just like, who the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. You know, but then he sees how committed Zoro is and how he's willing to die instead of losing because he feels like you know Zoro has this dream of being the best swordsman and to achieve that like he cannot lose he cannot turn his back and Mihawk recognizes that drive and ambition and so he earns his respect even though Zoro comes out of that kind of half dead with this like really nasty wound Mihawk does leave him alive and yeah as you were saying it, it introduces the idea that the world is very big we have seen a very tiny portion of it and seeing that difference in strength shows like how far we have to go in the story, you know? Yeah. Uh, also worth mentioning Krieg, this, uh, another one of the pirate antagonists with his whole crew, his, his whole thing is, is all about using whatever it takes to win, even if it means like attacking civilians or throwing up a white flag and then ambushing people you know it's all about that kind of treachery which also goes against luffy who's very much like in your face says exactly what's on his mind like you know exactly what you're getting with him yeah and yeah who uh which of the straw hats do you think and and we can count sanji in there because he joins by the end who do you think had the like the biggest impact in this arc uh actually i want to i think i want to say zoro yeah. I feel like I got to see more of Zoro and I I think I'm I think I might say Zoro. No, it checks cuz that's this is also when we get his um flashback stuff. Right. So we get an idea of his backstory and what this means. He he's not just doing this because he wants to be strong. He feels like he made a promise to Kawina mm-hmm. who he came up with. It was this girl who was the daughter of like the head of a sword school that he challenged and she was beating his ass like every single day, every time he challenged her, he could never topple her. And she wound up dying very young, which left Zoro feeling like very unfulfilled because he was never able to beat her. Mm -hmm. And also important to point out, she had this mentality that because she was a woman, a woman, because she was a woman, she would never be able to be like this um, excellent top swordsman because she had been told i guess her whole life oh, yeah it's less of a mentality and just what oh, her yeah. dad told her something ingrained in yeah. her which like facts <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> feels very authentic yeah um and you see zoro like wrestling with that concept because she's able to beat him every single time it's like what does that mean mm-hmm. and you can see how zoro some of his worldview starts to come from this yeah so i can agree with that but then with the other major characters we got redfoot zeph we get johnny and yusaku who are bounty hunters that knew zoro um who kind of tag along for a little bit here we get patty and karn is it carne i, I want to say it's carne probably like carne asada that makes sense yeah. patty and carne who are uh like the named cooks under chef zeph we also get krieg we get Jin. Is like right hand man. We get Pearl, his ridiculous, oh my God, so ridiculous. stupid <laughs> officer. Like the worst character design so far. I'm sorry. Like I just can't take him seriously at all. And then of course we get Mihawk. So <laughs> I mean, who do you choose? I mean, who do you 
evening, Kaiju. Yeah, it's me, Hawk. I know. As soon as I said it. You can't beat me, Hawk. Yeah. I feel like he's another fan favorite. He's just a very yeah, cool he's character. He's very cool. Uh, but that takes us into Arlong Park. This is the one, we've said this a lot, but it's true. Arlong Park is seen as like the big milestone that everything up till now is kind of like building up to this. And Arlong Park is the first major arc that kind of sets in stone a lot of the One Piece staples. You know, we have the um, big villain who is constantly being built up as like just being a real piece of shit. You know, he's like really, really awful, but also just so strong that nobody can really do anything about him. So you get this buildup of just being so enraged and wanting this guy to get his ass kicked so bad and knowing like Luffy is the one to do it and you just can't wait to see it the whole time. We also get some amazing flashbacks. I think some of the best in the series so far with Nami's whole backstory. Mm-hmm. Very emotional. I think it, it is impossible to watch the whole buildup of her character during this arc and the reveal of everything that she's been through. Like you cannot watch that and not get emotional. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's just impossible. Yeah. And we, we get like the final walk to the final confrontation, you know, the dramatic, like, uh, Tarantino-style walk. Yeah. We also get the celebration afterwards. So, I mean, it hits, like, all the big One Piece notes. And, like I said, it's it's regarded in the community as, like, when you get through Arlong Park, you are going to be in love with the series. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of just, it is what it is. Quickly... This whole arc involves Nami running off with the Merry-Go and all their money, kind of disappearing. They go after her. Luffy never gives up um, just believing in her and thinking, like, there's more to this story. They discover Arlong Park, which is run by the Fishman Pirates, led by Arlong, who have kind of subjugated this whole area and force all these villages in the area to pay them money, like mafia-style, for quote-unquote protection money you know (laughs) but the idea is if they don't pay then the whole village gets wiped out we learned that nami when she was very young she was adopted by belmare who was a navy soldier that found her and her sister nojiko on a battlefield raised them up they didn't have a lot of money so when arlong came along she gave every penny that she had to protect the two of them and lost her life in the process Mm -hmm. And Nami winds up joining the Arlong Pirates in order to help save the village because Nami is shown as being extremely talented at drawing like sea charts and navigating and stuff, which the Arlong Pirates can take make use of. And, and Nami forms a deal with Arlong that if she can save up 100 million berries, she can buy her village back. But we learn through this arc that this was a trick, that Arlong never intended to allow this to happen when she's getting close to having enough money she sent or arlong sends in on uh, nizumi the little mouse navy guy who he has this like very corrupt relationship with arlong where he gets kickbacks from arlong and arlong tips him off to nami's money that she's been saving so nizumi's able to confiscate it all which sets nami all the way back to zero and this leads up to the big confrontation when 
after being broken down so much, because up till now she is trying to scare off the straw hats and make them realize like, listen, I was in Arlong's crew this whole time. I tricked you, <laughs> yada, yada. Luffy doesn't listen to any of that. <laughs> and after being broken down and set back to zero like this, that's when she finally reaches out to Luffy for help and Luffy without batting an eye is like, of course. <laughs> and that's when they set off fight the Arlong pirates in their first like real fight where they're really putting their lives on the line, come out victorious, celebrate, and Nami is able to formally join the crew. So what, <laughs> do you have anything you want to talk about from this arc? I mean, I like I said in the actual episode of Arlong Park, this really helped me like process some grief in, yeah. a, in a very weird way. So... I really love this arc because of that, yeah. too. I mean, also in spite of it, I mean, it's hard to watch just because of that. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that the part where Nami finally breaks down and asks, asks for help, I have looked that up on YouTube so many times <laughs> just to, like, relive it because it's such a powerful moment. It and I is. think that's that's common. I, I know this is probably a stretch, and we can probably cut this if oh, go for not. It. But I really feel like that scene in itself is such a big like commitment to consent and like sure not even just you know i'm gonna talk about sexual consent but i just mean consent in general like if somebody wants your help they'll ask for it you know oh yeah and it's i i feel like there's a lot of respect there too it's like she really for years was doing you know as good as she could on her own and and trying to pull this off to save her town, but when she knew she really, like, the chips were down and she really needed help, like, Luffy was there, so. Yeah, that's that's extremely valid, because I think on the one part, it does show one of the important themes of the show is, is you know, Luffy, and he, he does this in this arc, he makes it clear that on his own, he can't really do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, he's relying on his crew, and he knows this, and it's part of why he cares about and respects his crew so much. Mm -hmm. And Nami kind of had the learn this the hard way you know that yeah. sometimes you gotta depend on other people for help yeah um but also on the topic of consent i think that's super valid too because we also saw in barati how the chefs at, at barati wanted sanji to join luffy yeah. and told luffy to take him and luffy was just like no like i'm not taking him unless yeah. he wants to join me and here Luffy shows up no matter how much she tries to get rid of him. He just hangs around, doesn't even try to like convince her of anything. <laughs> it's just like, just kind of waiting. Yeah. And even when they're being told her whole backstory, he's not interested. He just walks away. Yeah. He's just like patiently kind of just hanging out <laughs> on the island until we get to the moment when Nami really needs him and asks for help. And then without a moment of doubt, Luffy is just immediately like, yep. Let's go. Yeah. And like leaves his hat with her and, yeah. and walks off to solve the problem. So that is that is an important thing to point out, I think. For me, obviously we got the big emotional highs here, but also we get like like a lot of the, the fight scenes before this, there's not a lot at stake. Not not I don't want to put it that way. It's more that it never feels like Luffy's in danger, you mm -hmm. know? Um, even with Krieg, he gets pretty beat up there, but it's kind of self-inflicted because yeah. he just hurls himself at him over and over just to show that, like, how unstoppable that he, his resolve is. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the first time we get a one-on-one -on -one fight with all the officers, you know, versus 
the officers of the Arlong pirates. We get the big confrontation with Arlong that's uh, difficult. We see Luffy get like legitimately injured during this fight. So it winds up being this like very exciting kind of finale where everyone has to step up and put their lives in the line. And for me, like Usopp's big moment, as silly as his character is, and the way he beats him by just hitting him with a hammer over <laughs> yeah. and over again, that moment where he realizes like he can't just keep running away, he has to stand up and fight like his life depended on it, just like everyone else is. Yeah. I think that, that hits really hard. Is there anything else you wanted to point out here? Um, just in general? Yeah. Like I mean, of course I love Belmare's story too with Nami. Yeah. You know, I know it goes hand in hand with the grief and everything, but it's it's interesting to see where Nami comes from. Yeah, it's funny because you can see Belmare is like very similar. Yeah. The way that she like will jokingly kind of use her her body, her feminine wiles to get what she wants. And Nami <laughs> yeah. just like laughs and you see how she kind of took after that. Yeah. And just the fact that Belmare is like you, you could tell she's like a very kind-hearted person. I mean, just the fact she took these two children in, mm -hmm. even though she can barely feed herself. Yeah. But she's also, like, extremely tough and yeah. someone that you don't want to fuck around with. Yeah. It, it gives us a lot of insight into Nami's character. I think this is a pretty easy one, but which straw hat do you think had, like, the biggest impact this, this arc? I want to say Nami. I think that's the yeah. obvious one. <laughs> yeah. She, she definitely... Getting that look at her backstory... And she is the emotional center of yeah. this whole arc. It's no denying her importance <laughs> here. But when we get to the other major characters, we have Genzo. Um, he's the headsman. I think I've seen since we recorded that he's kind of like a cop, oh, <laughs> basically. Okay. But he, uh, he, he's very close to Nami and is one of the people like really looking out for the village. We have Nako, who's the doctor pretty minor role mm. we have nojiko nami's sister belmare of course we have nizumi the mouse navy guy we have arlong his officers hachi karubi and chu and i think that's all of them yeah um so i mean who of those do you think really stood out this arc uh belmare yeah that's yeah. another one's pretty I mean, obvious if it wasn't belmare it'd be genzo but for yeah. sure but that brings us to the final arc I do want to mention, um, I call it Logue Town all the time. I think it's because in the official manga, it's called Rogue Town. Mm -hmm. But when I was listening back to the English dub to get sound bites, they were calling it Log Town, <laughs> okay. which fits with like epilogue, prologue. We yeah. talked about that. So I think it might actually be called Log Town, but whatever. We're not experts. <laughs> We've made that very clear, even though I call myself a fake One Piece <laughs> expert. So I guess we could just call it Log Town. Logtown, very short epilogue to the East Blue. Um, it's where they head there for supplies before actually hitting the Grand Line for real. Uh, it's also the town where Gold Roger, the previous King of the Pirates, was born and also where he was executed. So Luffy kind of fanboys out and wants to take in the sights like a little pirate tourist to see where Gold Roger was born and met his end. We just this is a kind of cool down arc where it's like not a lot of stakes or anything. Mostly characters just shopping and kind of hanging out as they get ready to embark on the Grand Line. But we also get introduced to Smoker and Tashigi, who are 
I think the first real Navy characters who are more leaning toward like the good side, you know, mm-hmm. like they're still in opposition to the Straw Hats because they are in the Navy and the Navy's there to deal with the pirates. But they are, they seem to be like good characters who are in it for like the right reasons. But this is when Luffy gets his first bounty, the 30 million berry bounties, finally recognized after taking down Arlong. So they wind up getting targeted by the Navy here. They also get targeted by Buggy and Alveda, mm-hmm. who pop up again to try and get revenge. And this is when we see Alveda ate this the slip slip fruit or mm-hmm. smooth smooth fruit yeah. or whatever you want to call it, which made her like super beautiful somehow. And we also get introduced to Dragon, this mysterious figure who saves them as they escape the island and head to the Grand Line. So, I mean, overall, what do you think of this arc? I mean, it's a fun arc because I I think I like hearing about Gold Roger a lot. And, you know, like the Gold Roger bar that was there, too. Was that canon or was that filler? That wasn't. That was filler, but... I did like that, though. It fits, yeah. I, I liked that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's... He's a very central character to the story, which is interesting since he died, like, long before the story really starts. But it's what inspires Luffy to make himself the King of the Pirates. I think, uh, yeah, this is when we get our first introduction to some filler stuff, which is not great, not Mm -hmm. like really high quality, but whatever. I mean, this whole arc feels like much more light than the previous ones. I kind of like this. We've talked about this a little in the episode. I always like when we take the time after like a big serious moment to kind of just chill for a minute. And, uh, you know, it winds up giving us a lot of interesting exposition lighthearted side stories um we also get a look at a bunch of the other characters we met like when his bounty is announced it shows like the reactions of all these other characters yeah that was nice i love seeing that i love checking back and showing that we have this like this big world out there where life is continuing even after the straw hats leave you know it, it adds a lot to the world building is there anything else you wanted to say about this uh i also i think i really like the moment where uh, time kind of loops back around and Luffy is on this execution platform. Oh, yeah. Like Gold Roger was. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, and he uses it as his opportunity to declare he wants to be King of the Pirates. Yeah. Um, and also has that big smile on his face as he's getting ready to die, <laughs> yeah. which uh, is doesn't happen without being noticed by Smoker. <laughs> also introduced to the idea that there are different types of devil fruits, which is interesting. And we see that these Logia Devil Fruits are, like, incredibly powerful. Mm Kind of opens the door to, like, the different possibilities of Devil Fruits in the world, which I know when I was reading, I was very excited to see when we got to the Grand Line, like, what other Devil Fruits there are, you know? We'll probably have to rank Devil Fruits at some point, too. That'll be fun. Who, Who, then, do you think of the Straw Hats had the biggest impact here? I feel like Luffy. Luffy, yeah. Just with everything with Gold Roger and everything. Oh, totally agree with that. And for the major characters, really all we get introduced to here are Smoker, uh, Tashigi, who we didn't really talk about. She's the swordsman Mm -hmm. uh, operating under Smoker, who looks just like Kawina from Zoro's childhood. And we also, we get introduced to Dragon, who gets a very brief intro well, which which of those characters stood out to you? I mean, I guess Smoker. I mean, Smoker's very I, cool. Yeah, and also how he has nuance to himself. How you know he helped that little girl. 
Oh yeah. You know, he doesn't see, he's he's in the navy, yes, kind of a bad guy, but also maybe not. I don't know. You get the idea. It it we talked in that episode a lot about the morality of One Piece, but you do get the idea that Luffy and Smoker would probably get along and fight on the same side when, you know, if their backs were against the wall. Yeah. But they're just they're on the other side of this kind of this kind of social structure that exists between like the pirates and the navy that feels very like rigid so that wraps up all the arcs um i think to finish this part off there were a couple things that i want to talk about just quickly because i think we didn't have a lot of chance to talk about these in the episodes one thing I thought was really interesting in the anime is the way they translate the way characters laugh and like mannerisms and speech uh-huh. that are in the manga where it's like spelled out a certain way and you see the voice actors giving them a ton of credit, like the voice oh, actors yeah. and the anime directors. The Japanese voice actors. It, yeah, specifically. <laughs> but the way they translate this stuff to the screen, um, you know, like Nizumi and his little his yeah. little laugh. It's written as like chi chi chi, and you see the way the voice actor is like chi chi chi, like perfect. his little mouse laugh. Yeah, yeah, and of course chow chow and his little bark. And, yeah, and uh, this is something that's like another One Piece stable that's going to pop up more later because there's characters who have really weird mannerisms <laughs> with like how they talk, and seeing the voice actors try to portray that is very interesting. Yeah. Also, really want to call out the soundtrack. Because mm-hmm. holy shit, like it's so good. <laughs> it's one of the best things in One Piece. Is the music is like insanely good. Yeah, like there's so many iconic themes, and it's listen. I know this is like a total weeb thing, but I definitely find myself listening to the soundtrack uh, just in my regular day to day life. Which I don't. I'm not the kind of person to really do that. That's not true. <laughs> What do you mean? Oh, come on. We There's so many movie soundtracks that we listen. We still have Baby Driver in the car. That's different. Like, <laughs> That's like licensed songs. And Drive. You know? Drive. We use the soundtrack for Drive on our yeah, wedding. but those are like, <laughs> those are all like licensed, like yeah. actual songs. What I mean is like symphonic, like soundtracks that are like made orchestral? for. Like orchestral soundtracks that are made for stuff. Like okay, I'm just... I'm nothing against it. I've never been someone to like really listen to like video game soundtracks and mm-hmm. anime soundtracks. Like there's stuff here and there, but One Piece is like goddamn, like it just is good. banger after banger. <laughs> it's so good. And I didn't even know how to talk about this, but the another thing that that has been driving me crazy cuz it's so weird is the wind sound effect. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's this weird like ambient wind sound that happens a lot yeah which i can remember when we were first watching it feeling like what the fuck is that sound because it (laughs) it does that often i don't like i said i don't even know how to like explain this i will just put it in i guess but like is it is it something that stands out to other people because i remember that just weirding me out so much i don't think it's weirded me out as much as it's weirding (laughs) you out (laughs) it's just strange because it's this like very distinct ambient sound that pops up a lot. Well, if we're talking really about sticks out. ambient sounds, I really love the like cicada <laughs> ambient oh, that's, sound. I mean, that's like a Japanese oh, thing Oh, I in love general. that so much. Yeah. I think the only other things 
to tackle before we get into the second part of this podcast, I wanted to, first of all, decide which... Uh, so when we talk about the the major arc here, Arlong, let's talk about which crew member, not outside of Luffy, do you think had like the best fight? Remember, we had uh, Zoro fighting Hachi, we had Sanji fighting Karubi, and we had Usopp fighting Chu. So of those three, what do you think was like the most effective fight? Mm, see, I don't know if I'd go off of effectiveness. For well, me, it's know. more I'll... like memorable. Yeah, would let's, be let's Usopp. Put it that way. Yeah. Most memorable. I I actually agree, and I think again, it's one of the interesting things about One Piece because it isn't much of a fight. No, <laughs> you know, as far as like fight choreography goes. Yeah. Maybe this is also just us being older. And having Maybe. a different perspective, I don't know. but I do think like the setup and the way it builds his character, yeah, I think that definitely hit a lot harder because Zoro and Sanji, their fights are more interesting from like a choreography and excitement kind of perspective, I guess. But Usopp's did feel more like emotionally impactful, mm-hmm. so I'd agree with that. Let's also try and figure out the star players. Of the East Blue Saga. Okay. So, as a reminder, we said of the Straw Hats in Romance Dawn, we said Zoro was the standout. Orange Town was Luffy. Sierra Village was Luffy. Barati was Zoro. Arlong Park was Nami. And Rogue Town, Luffy. Which one, if you had to think back, it doesn't even have to be based on what we chose. Because, uh, Obviously, we picked Luffy the most, which, I mean, it's the first introduction of the character. There's a lot of character development being done here, um, a lot of ground being laid. But which character stood out the most in this saga for you? If I'm not choosing Luffy, because Luffy feels like the obvious answer, I'd probably say Nami. I agree. Yeah, I think Nami, just based on Arlong Park alone, really, because I think before that, there is a lot of interesting buildup where we see there's something going on with her, you know, learning she hates pirates. She's like very reluctant to join them and everything. That build up through the whole saga and then the payoff at the end was super effective. So I agree with you. But let's talk about the other major characters. So Romance Dawn, we picked Kobe. Orange Town, we picked Shanks. Seer Village, we picked Kaya. Barati, we picked Mihawk. Arlong Park was Belmare and Logtown was Smoker. Who stood out the most of like the major side characters? I mean, it's Shanks. Okay. Yeah. That's oh, fair. For me, Very it's fair. Shanks. Like <laughs> he's like the core of this, Very basically. Fair. If it weren't for Shanks, there'd be no Luffy. And he's just a cool character. We've cool we've character. talked about how he's very similar to Luffy in that like he is seen as being like very badass, someone you really do not want to fuck around with. But with the flip of a switch, he becomes like very silly <laughs> and even his own crew kind of yeah. makes fun of him and stuff. Very similar to Luffy. So you can see where he kind of gets that from. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that Shanks is with Yasop and Luffy is yeah. with Usopp. I think that that's very cool. That's fate. Yeah. And the fact that he you know, early on sacrificed his whole arm to save Luffy, mm-hmm. um, I think says a lot about him as yeah. a character. Finally, as far as the ranking stuff goes, the reminder that the way we ranked the arcs during East Blue Saga, we had Arlong Park at number one, we had Barati at number two, 
Logtown at number three, Orangetown at number four, Romance Dawn at number five, and Seert Village at number six. Do you still feel good about this? Yeah, I think so. I feel good too. I just think this will be interesting. We could probably post this stuff online with this episode, but I think going forward, we're going to be able to start compiling like a much bigger list of all this and comparing stuff between sagas and everything might be interesting to somebody i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but we're trying to set up stuff we could do at the end of every saga and on that note i have one more question before we wrap it up which i'm going to ask you every time okay what is the one piece i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea at all (laughs) you don't have any kind of prediction no i mean maybe like a treasure but I feel like okay. that's too obvious. I feel like it can't just be a treasure. Yeah. I feel like it probably is something a little bit more special than that. I don't know. It is funny how vague it is. I mean, it's literally called One Piece, which tells you yeah. nothing at all. <laughs> and everybody's trying to get their hands on it, but you have no fucking clue what it is. Yeah, but I'm like also okay with it, too. Yeah, I think yeah. it's interesting. I'm like it's completely content not knowing what it is. It is a great, like way to structure this series that you yeah. introduce something like that that is so vague that everyone is trying the name to get of the show yes <laughs> and everyone is trying to get this thing and you have no fucking idea what it is it's great but i'm gonna ask you that after every saga so okay we'll see if your answer is ever there, changes. are there like context clues within the series that yeah i think there's little on? there's little things okay. i mean jesus I'm like, obviously have not gotten it yet listen there is a whole world in the One Piece fandom that's just all about like theory crafting this kind of stuff. <laughs> I want to stay far away from that because yeah. like, that's just not what we do. No. But this is something we can talk about yeah. as time goes on. So overall, I think it's safe to say you're kind of hooked, right? You've gotten well, the brain yeah. rot that I have, <laughs> which is fantastic because we've we said in the beginning, the hard thing about getting into something like this big is uh, if you have a spouse you kind of have to go on this journey together or else I would just be locked in the basement all day watching One Piece by myself. So I'm very happy that you're also into it enough that you'll sit here and talk to me about it for a while every week. So I think we are in this for the long haul. I'm very excited to keep going, see where things are going. I mean, obviously I know where it's going, but seeing it animated and everything, we we again talked about that, that... Seeing it in, in animation with the voice acting, with the music and everything, it just, it elevates it so much. And I'm glad they really took the care to, instead of condensing it, because I think that's the American way of doing things, mm-hmm. is to like condense the adaptation as much as possible. Yeah. Well, which put, pump it out to make more money. I mean, that's the American yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, thinking about like the One Piece live action, which hasn't come out yet, yeah. the way that... That's kind of the standard way to do it, to condense this whole thing into like 10 episodes. But I'm glad that for this anime, they really took the time to adapt every single thing pretty much yeah. from the manga. It's, it's great. And I'm, I'm happy to be on the journey. You know, <laughs> it feels exciting. Just to set things up, I do think I want to rank the sagas the way we rank the arcs. And I also, I want to rank the opening themes because we... Oh, yeah. We have this, like, one song. They changed it up for Logtown, Mm -hmm. but I think in general the sagas each have, like, a different opening theme, which is another, like, anime trope. Mm -hmm. So I want to rank those against each other later on. But I think that wraps up the East Blue Saga for us. Um, I wanted to separate this out because I know 
there's probably some people that are just interested in the One Piece <laughs> stuff. And if you're interested in hearing more about making the podcast for us, that's what we're going to get into next. But we can kind of wrap up the One Piece side here and remind everyone we're going to take a little break to do some like side piece episodes with more modern anime movies. But when we get back with the Arabasta saga, which I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. We'll figure that out. The first arc is Reverse Mountain, which is episodes 61 through 63 and chapters 101 through 105 of the manga. Um, episodes 54 through 61 are filler. It's the Warship Island arc. We're going to be skipping those mm-hmm. and just jumping right into Reverse Mountain. But you can catch us, I guess, in a couple of weeks. Um, do you want to plug the socials here? I guess, yeah. I mean, we're a Straw Hat Social Club everywhere. If mm-hmm. you do have an anime movie that you want us to watch, you can email us at strawhatsocialclub at gmail.com. Yep. So follow us, like us, all that stuff matters. We really appreciate yes. everybody who's listening. Well, yeah, that wraps up that part. Mm-hmm. So if you're still here, um, I did want to talk a bit about making the podcast because we are just two regular ass people mm-hmm. who uh, never done anything like this before. We've said it a bunch that we're antisocial. We can <laughs> tend to just kind of keep to ourselves at home all day. <laughs> and so making something where we are forced to talk into a microphone for a while is like, it's really out of our element. Yeah. But we are both like very creative people. And we have tried doing other projects together in the past that just, for whatever reason, like didn't Mm -hmm. work out too well. You know, like I got into making games, taught myself how to program and you were trying to help out, but it's not really your cup of tea, like making sprite art and stuff. I think that was like a whole thing. So that didn't work. I mean, yeah. And I didn't. I didn't want to push you because I didn't expect you to like fully learn this. I like, mean, I would have, but we I know, dropped but the that's, project. But that just didn't feel like it was a good match of I, our I, talents. Yeah, you know? and I also, we both had full-time jobs at the time. Yeah. And on top of, I think at that time, I was between working at, it was either Sephora, <laughs> yeah. Starbucks, or Ulta, I don't know, all of those. Uh, yeah. It was just hard. Yeah, and I had to give it up because that was when the pandemic hit mm-hmm. and my job in grocery like blew up. And so, mine, I got laid off. Yeah. yeah. So that just didn't, it didn't work out. But it also just felt like our talents didn't mesh on that, I yeah. think. But there's been, yeah, it's other things where I, I feel like as creative people, I've definitely learned, you know, as you get older, unless you really work at it and pursue it, it's easy to just kind of walk away from that stuff mm-hmm. you've you've always stuck with you know your drawing and everything and I've tried to support that because you are so unbelievably talented <laughs> but for me I don't know I just couldn't really fit that stuff into my life and I always felt like when I did like when I was working on making games it just feels so fulfilling to do something creative to like direct that energy at something so I've always wanted to keep at something like that and being able to do it with you especially mm. um, has been super fulfilling. And for whatever reason, this is the thing that like really worked out. Because I know you wanted to do a podcast much earlier than I was like on yeah. board. And this, it just felt like One Piece is such a 
commitment and it's something I care about so much and want to talk about so <laughs> yeah. much that it just made sense to make a podcast like this about it. Yeah. And again, being able to be creative and actually work on something together has just been so fulfilling mm -hmm. that even if this doesn't go anywhere, like just the process of making it, it's uh, it's like filling this gap that was missing for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how you feel about it. I definitely feel that because I, right before the, the pandemic hit, I just came off of working on a feature film um, and I had a blast. I had so much fun. Yeah. It was with a bunch of my friends from college and I don't know, it was just such this like, it felt like when I was on set, I felt like this is where I'm meant to be. I'm meant yeah. to be here. I'm meant to be working on this project. I'm meant to be pulling 12 hour days. And, but the thing is, is I could pull a 12 hour day on set, feel exhausted, but also so fulfilled. Uh, I could work a six hour shift at Starbucks and I don't want to talk to anybody. It's yeah. awful. And also just shout out to my manager at Starbucks who, who made it possible for me to take off work so that I could work on that film. I still, oh, yeah. to this day, I just, I'm so thankful. Yeah, I'm yeah. so thankful for her. Uh, it was such a cool experience. But yeah, when the pandemic hit, I, I became a germaphobe. A germaphobe I had never been in my life. Well, you'd and, already had urine issues with anxiety and yeah. everything, so I think it made sense. Yeah, and I got so scared about spreading it to my parents. Yeah. I declined a lot of um, offers to go on set because uh, I was doing special effects and makeup artists artistry at the time. So it it really it really sucked. I could feel like, what am I going to do now? Like that was so exciting and fun. And now I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, so I really like pulled myself back into art again which I had, I wouldn't say I took a break, but I definitely was not as disciplined with it as I had been in the past just because of other things that had happened in my life. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to work on this project with you where I get to be creative and make designs and, you know, fan art. Like, I love doing fan art. Yeah. So it's nice to find my place there. I mean, I was... Through the pandemic, working on my skills with art and everything, it's been nice to have these small opportunities. Like, I got lucky enough to have a small opportunity with Smosh a couple months ago, probably like several months ago now. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun collaborating with them. Uh, so I'm just like getting little glimpses of like how I really can incorporate my art into the film world still, like still have a little bit of attachment to it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's tough, but I think it's it's that's been part of the journey is, you know, you having so much talent. And I think anyone listening to this, you can see, I mean, she designs custom artwork for every single episode and they're all amazing. Um, but finding a way to like fit that into a job and make money is really hard. Yes. So it's kind of like. Especially now. Yeah. But it is kind of like, fuck it, let's just do it ourselves. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's. I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but it is nice to do this kind of stuff for yourself, you know, mm -hmm. instead of being at the mercy of what somebody else wants you to do and what they're willing to pay you for and yada yada. Yeah, I guess that's a good segue into talking a little bit about like our process for anyone that's interested, because 
generally, I think the way we kind of rely on each other's talents is we obviously watch the episodes, then I sit down and I write out like notes. Um, I do like, the way I do it now is I'll just write like my own recap of like every episode to make sure I hit all the big story points. This is going to be more challenging going forward when the arcs get a lot longer. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to handle that. But then I have like general notes with like trivia and thoughts just to keep us on track so that when we're recording, I am able to stay kind of focused. Um, so my, my end of things tends to be like before we record and then during recording, I think I'm kind of, you know, trying to lead, lead the conversation. Yeah. But then after that, you are the one who does like 99% of the editing. Um, I do try to pull sound bites for you because mm -hmm. we went through a weird phase of figuring out like the English voice acting was like so bad yeah. that it was like, I don't know how much we want to do this. But I do think it's fun to insert these scenes that we're talking about. Um, There's that. And we've had so many people say we love the sound bites. So it's like, yeah. okay, we have to do the sound bites now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to help you out by pulling those but then you're the one editing inserting the music and the sound bites and all that stuff and of course doing all the episode art and you're also managing like social media mm -hmm. so you you seem to be handling more of the like artistic creative side and i'm doing the more because i'm much more of a structured like practical yes. type person yeah. i think that's been like the theme of our relationship <laughs> yeah. so I kind of create the structure, you provide the artistic spin. I think we work really well together mm. in that way. But yeah, as far as making these episodes, um, I think something that has given me some anxiety is like, personally, I am really unhappy with the first episode, the Romance Dawn really? episode. Yeah, I think I, that's something I've been carrying because um, I think we were really out of our depth at that point. That's fair. And listening back, it felt like very rigid. It felt like I was very low energy, which I think in general, that's just me. So it's <laughs> like there's only so much that I could do about that. <laughs> but it, it does kind of it sucks because it feels like people who might discover this and get into it. I'm worried about people falling off after that episode. Yeah. But um, I mean, not much we can do about that at this point. But just so anyone listening understands like when we first sat down to record I had like these notes written up but once we sat down and we're in front of a microphone mm -hmm. and have to be like on mm -hmm. for people like us who are not on people <laughs> yeah it became overwhelming like very quickly oh, like it was yeah. very quickly like oh shit like I don't know if we can do this like mm -hmm. that kind of thing and I remember having this moment of panic of feeling like shit I thought this was gonna be way more like chill and easy <laughs> but it's like when you're actually sitting down and doing it i think it's a lot more difficult than you might think maybe if you're like super extroverted it's different yeah but for us it was really really difficult and i remember like after that moment of panic i sat down on the keyboard and just started writing a script and it took me like 10 or 15 minutes mm -hmm. i wrote up a whole script yeah. i remember you being I, like holy shit i was very impressed <laughs> but it was because that was that like do or die panic moment <laughs> where i felt like if we can't figure this out and do this we're never gonna i had be able no to do idea this. that you were feeling oh that. i was completely panicked I, I was like no sweating idea. yeah but i yeah i wrote up a whole script and so 
the first few episodes, this was really like Romance Dawn, Orangetown, and Syrup Village. I had a script that I was reading from, but I had like breaks for us to talk about stuff. And it, it worked. It made it flow more easily because I wasn't stuck, you know, trying to think of what to say on the spot. But I do feel like it, it wound up being like really rigid. And so with uh, what really changed it for me was when we were doing side piece, side piece was way more laid back with us just talking. And I remember when I was listening to the side piece stuff, because I was I was feeling pretty down about the podcast mm -hmm. at that point. When I listened to Spirited Away, it felt so much more relaxed and natural and fun that I was like, oh, like, yeah, we can we can do this. <laughs> so it's just a way of finding like how to keep that energy while you know, doing a recap of the show that's more thorough. Yeah. So we we have developed more of a, a structure around that so that I'm not, I haven't been reading off the script, so we're just talking and stuff. And it makes it probably a little tougher to edit. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, honestly, a little messier. Nothing will be as hard as that first episode that I... Oh, yeah. Like, it was just so hard. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. I, I had very minimal editing experience only like a couple things i'd done in college and yeah. some you know advice that i had gotten over the years from friends who do editing as their career yeah. so i was lucky enough to have those skills like ingrained already from from those days but well, that was part of it too is you're figuring that out and now like you have become so much better because even recently we we ran into a problem where we pre-recorded a whole bunch of episodes and then we got kind of lazy <laughs> and hit a point where we were like, you know, going up against these deadlines, yeah. which we're trying to fix now. So I actually stepped in to edit the Ninja Scroll episode. But even that, I had to be like, all right, you fix the sound <laughs> levels and put the music in because I don't know how to do all that. <laughs> so you've you've really grown a lot, I think, in a short period of time, gotten really good at it. I don't know about good, but I've gotten a little faster. <laughs> I think you're good. I, listening back to him, I think our conversations are better. I think the editing is better. I, mm. I definitely think we've improved a lot yeah. over time. But I've always said, you know, your artistic talent, I think if you apply it to anything, it's going to shine through at some point. <laughs> and I very nice. mean that. But yeah, um, it, it has been a journey. And I also remember early on, like, we both had so much anxiety yes. around sitting down to do this because it, it felt good like after the fact, but yeah. it was one of those things where I think we would get too in our heads leading up to it because mm -hmm. as people who don't talk a ton, mm -hmm. doing this, I mean, it's so out of our element and out of our comfort zone that I think we would spook ourselves, you know, yeah. too much beforehand. And it was to the point where when we were recording, we would be like holding hands and stuff because we were so anxious. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think in the early episodes, it comes through in the recording how oh, like really? anxious we are. Oh, yeah. God. I don't want to listen back. I know. It, it sucks. It's that's like I said, that's the thing I worry about is for people getting into it, because I do think we've gotten a lot more comfortable mm -hmm. as we've kept doing it and developed confidence and, and all that. And I think. We're just going to keep getting better from here. Yeah, I hope so. But even now, you know, we struggle. You had a little moment during this episode. I have a moment almost every episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, it's putting ourselves out here like this is, it's a lot, mm -hmm. um, especially for us. So I understand, you know. And like, 
I don't want to like dunk on you know the amount of people who are following and listening because I'm not I'm very appreciative but I'm also like so appreciative that it's only this you know handful right now I yeah. it keeps us in this like little bubble and I and I'm trying to you know the more and more the views go up and everything which is great it's also like super anxiety inducing <laughs> yeah I guess we can f- just fully say that like we we're in this weird zone where obviously we're not getting a ton of people listening mm-hmm. but it's enough like outside of people we know mm-hmm. that it's like oh there are people actually yeah <laughs> downloading and listening to this so it is like this weird little bit of pressure which is good and bad i think on the good side it is like motivating mm-hmm. to keep doing it knowing that like well we're not getting a ton of feedback and stuff but we are getting some metrics some numbers yeah so it's like more encouragement to keep going i i will say like there was one week where we thought we were not gonna be able to release the episode which ended up happening because of power outage and like i actually was like well what if somebody's ready for the next episode (laughs) like i felt so bad i know like someone's ready to hear part two of arlong park and we can't put it up that's why we release that like tiny little clip just to yeah. let people know because we didn't want people to think because we're still pretty early we didn't want anyone to be like oh i guess they stopped right. <laughs> releasing episodes or something because <laughs> consistency is important yeah. i think especially starting out um, we want people to be able to rely on a weekly release yeah but we are trying to like we're, tr- we're trying to get ahead of ourselves here and like record more stuff in advance get it edited so that we're not like coming up against deadlines so that if something like that happens again we'll have the episode ready to go yeah it's it's been a journey yeah but i think as i said even though i definitely still have anxiety around this and you obviously (laughs) still have a lot of anxiety around it we are still having fun enjoying it right well, yeah, I love, I love, are you sure? I have to check in. I feel like I have to check in with you a lot to make sure. No, no, I, I like doing it. I think, you know, at times it's, it's overwhelming, but I, I still have fun with it. I'm just, I'm happy to be doing something like this with you mm-hmm. collaboratively because I love and respect you so much <laughs> and love just being able to do everything with you. So it's nice having something. It's almost like creating a legacy because this is going to be on the internet forever. <laughs> we can always listen back on this. Yeah. And You're going to make me cry. <laughs> sorry. But I do think like it'll probably be fun many years from now being able to like listen back <laughs> and hear like where we were at in our lives and everything. I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot. I'm really happy that we're doing this. Yeah, me too. So I don't know. Was there anything else you want to talk about on this subject? I don't think so. I think, you know, as I said before, like, yes, the when the views go up, it scares me and also is motivating. I get that. I think the one thing I'm excited for is if we ever start to make money, we can hire an editor. <laughs> yeah, that's like the big dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the last thing I wanted to say that I almost forgot about is like, I did want to mention... One of the other challenges for me with figuring this stuff out is like, I wonder, this is getting really deep. I don't know if we'll keep this in the podcast, but I know when I was younger, I went through a period where like, 
I mean, I think a lot of kids do this where they're just kind of fucking chatterboxes. And when they like something, they'll just talk, talk, talk about it. Yeah. You know, and I would definitely do that about like video games and stuff. And I hit a point as I was getting older where I got really self-conscious about it and started talking less. And this is probably I've I've gone through a lot of introspection lately might be like a midlife crisis. (laughs) I don't know, but have thought about how I might be on the spectrum. And I think when I was younger, especially this isn't we don't need to go into all that here, but there's a lot of stuff that made me wonder about that. And I will fully say for a lot of my life, if I was really into something there were times when I would be by myself just talking to myself about stuff like this, like going in depth, just, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it was something that felt like a really nice and fulfilling. Cause it felt like if I was talking to somebody else like this, I would just be talking their head off and boring the shit out of them. And I don't know if it's a part of being like fixated on stuff. Cause I feel like a lot of people on the spectrum get very fixated. Well, yeah. On, I mean, a lot of fictional yeah Yeah. stuff like this and i do remember um when we first started dating like there were a lot of big moments that made me feel like okay i think she might be the one (laughs) and one of them was (laughs) this is very funny to talk about i don't know if you remember there was a time we went out to eat at a restaurant and we started talking about game of thrones i remember that and Distinctly. you were like really into the show. I mean, it's so funny because it's like this where yeah. you were really into the show. <laughs> I was really into the books and not really the show. And we just started talking about it. And I started going into like stuff that they changed in the show. And I probably spent like two hours <laughs> talking your fucking head off about this stuff. And the thing that stood out to me was the whole time you seemed so attentive and interested in everything I was saying never seemed like you were bored or wanted me to shut up but it's like it's a weird thing of like being able to talk about stuff like that that you're really passionate about with someone and share that with someone and they are legitimately interested in it there's something about that that just feels so good you know (laughs) and that's kind of that's what this podcast is like in a lot of ways it's me (laughs) talking to you about one piece and you just kind of being there for it and joining in the conversation it now, feels great i distinctly remember that because it was our six month anniversary yeah and i remember being so like i i don't even know what the word is i was like just so like happy to hear you so like interested and talking about a subject that you really cared about and like I couldn't mm. get enough of it. I was so happy to sit there the whole time. And I I think about that from time to time because that was such a like special day yeah. for me. I just I really loved that. I felt like you wanted to open up and talk about these things and I was just ready to listen. Well, it's really meaningful when you find somebody who does want to hear that kind of stuff from you, you know, like I don't know how to even put that in the words, but it I noticed and it meant a lot because it's like I said, I went through being that way, feeling like I was just bothering and boring people. So just stopping and becoming very quiet and introverted for a very long time and then being able to geek out and open up to you, it meant a lot. And it's 
one of many reasons why I think we're still <laughs> together and why I love you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just the beginning. I mean, we've been on an interesting journey at this point. I don't even know how many episodes we have at this point. But I don't know. It's a lot. I didn't know how long we would stick to this. Um, but we've come pretty far. And I'm hoping we stick with this for a long time to come. Yeah, me too. So I guess that's it. Unless there is anything else you wanted to really talk about here. I don't really think so. I know I say that a lot, but like I truly like I just I don't think I have anything else to add. Yeah, this one's going longer than I expected, but we, we got a lot to, to. We also just we had a lot to talk about. So, yeah. so and I guess that was all me um, building up to you know the structure of the One Piece recap. How I think there's just something in me that wants to be like super thorough and go into like so much detail, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have to find a way to reckon with that going forward because I don't want the episodes have been getting longer and longer, and I want to mm-hmm. kind of trim it down a bit. Um, it's just something for us to figure out, but just giving you a look at like part of why that's happening <laughs> is just part of my brain and how it works. But we're still learning. We're still mm-hmm. figuring it out. And we have plenty more to get through. So that's it for the East Blue Saga. <laughs> and uh, when we come back, we're going to, like, like I've said before, we're going to take a break, watch some more modern stuff. We're definitely still going to be going back to our childhood. There's plenty of stuff for us to talk about there. I mean, for you. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it'll be fun being able to, you know, guide you through all that stuff, introduce all that stuff to you. And we still have uh, over 900 episodes of One Piece mm-hmm. left, so <laughs> plenty more to do. But yeah, this has been uh, Straw Hat Social Club. Mm-hmm. So catch us with the next saga. I don't know. How, I, don't know I don't know how to end it. We already kind of ended it. We already did the yeah. socials because I think we're assuming a lot of people are not going to listen to this part. So I don't know. Yeah. If you're here, thanks. Yeah. You're you're the true fans. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I guess that's it. Love you all. Thank you so much yeah. for listening. Been through a lot and got a lot left to go through. So hope you're gonna stick with us <laughs> and catch us next week. Oh. What? I'm Todd. Oh, I'm Becca. And this has been Straw Social Club. (laughs) 